Good evening. Good to be back again this evening and to see many of you back again this evening too. Um, are you hungry? Have you got an appetite? It's very important that you do have an appetite and I cannot give that to you. But the maker of all can and will. Let us begin the public worship of God here this evening by singing to his praise in Psalm 69, verses 1 through 4. Psalm 69, verses 1 through 4, to God's praise. <clears throat>
Let us pray. O oh Lord, we cannot take it in. We cannot comprehend the mystery of God and Christ suffering as we have just sung. That even unto my very soul come in the waters be I weary with my crying am. Lord, open our hearts and our eyes. Draw our affections to be here in amazement that we have been introduced to these words which bring to us a little insight and a little understanding of what Jesus suffered. I am into deep waters come for us. Oh Lord, we together We'd like to say thank you. We'd like to worship you. Grant us the power of your word and spirit to bring us to that place this evening. As we have been thinking this morning we are on a journey. Soon the place that knows us now will know us no more forever. And we need to be ready. Lord, make us ready for that day when we shall appear before the judgment seat of Christ to answer for every sermon we have heard. For every time we used our lips in your praise and our hearts were somewhere else. Lord, we bring to you our emptiness. We come to you with our inadequacy. We come to you as poor, poor sinners. Yes, we have better cars, better houses, better comfort, better clothes than our grandparents. But still, without Christ, we are empty. We are discontent. We are searching for that which will not satisfy us. Bring us to confess with David above all things. Your face, Lord, I will seek. We cast all our cares upon you. We ask for your blessing. 
on those amongst us who may be strangers to Jesus, who cannot say, I love him. Why would anybody not say, Lord, bring us all tonight to say, we love him because he first loved us. And pardon us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let us read from Matthew chapter 26. We're going to read from verse 36, 10 verses. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here, for I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, (coughs) saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. May the Lord bless our reading of this short piece of his word. Let us continue to worship God and sing to his praise. And Psalm 22, another of the great messianic psalms. Psalm 22 from Sing Psalms, verse 14 through to 20.
Gethsemane. What a night. A night of great drama. A night to be remembered. The night of the birth of the Christian church. The night of betrayal. The night of mocking. The night of sentencing. What a night. Our Lord knew what was coming. He knew the challenge facing his disciples. He sent Peter and John go into the city and make ready for the Passover. You'll find a fellow carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. He'll show you a large upper room. And there you'll make the Passover ready. And Jesus said, I want to have this meal with you. What were the next words? Before I suffer. Then John tells us about the water and the basin and the feet washing. And that he was very troubled in spirit. Then John also tells us in verse 19 of chapter 13, I'm telling you this. Before it happens, so that you will believe. And he's telling us this after it happened. For the same reason. As it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. And very shortly after that, I'll meet you all in Galilee. That which is written must be fulfilled in me. What was written? He was numbered with the transgressors. What a night. What an ominous evening it is. We go from the evening through to the next morning. And in the middle of it, we have the farewell discourse. He knew what was coming. He knew what the disciples were going to have to suffer. He knew what was going to happen to them. And he starts his discourse. Don't be troubled. Peace, I leave with you. So the Last Supper is now over. As we said, it's towards evening. Jesus has instructed, comforted, warned 
his disciples. He has prayed for them and with them. And they sang. And they went out to the Mount of Olives, to a favored location, Gethsemane, where they had been many times before. John tells us in chapter 18, he often went there with his disciples. And you and I have frequently, those of us who are in church, have frequently heard a sermon on the words of forsakenness. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But this evening, we would like to consider the pain in the olive garden. The pain that caused him to sweat great drops of blood. And you're from the medical profession, perhaps. And you say, that's impossible. Well, Jonathan Edwards believed it to be actually true. And so did R.C. Sproul. And so have a number of significant medical Christians saying that the capillaries on his brow were so broken with the pain that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. That crown that very surely, shortly, was going to be broken with the thorns of the crown of thorns. So let us look then at four things. Firstly, the story. Secondly, the agony. Thirdly, the cup. And fourthly, a question for us all. Have you, William, seen the glory? Firstly, then, the story. Jesus takes Peter and James and John. He tells them, I am overwhelmed with sorrow. To the point of death. Please keep me company. Watch with me for an hour. He fell on his face. My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But not a breath, not a hesitation. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It was amazing as I was thinking of this this afternoon that there's no space between the request and the submission. 
He goes back to see his three friends. They are sleeping. Could you not watch with me for one hour? I'm not asking you to do anything else. I'm not asking you, Peter, James, and John, to drink the cup. I'm not asking you to go to the cross. I'm asking you to watch for an hour. The way back to pray again, the same prayer. Guess what? They're off to sleep again. Went to pray the third time. Jesus trod the wine press alone. Of the people, there was none with him. Then there's the resolve in verse 45. The hour has come. Remember when he was at the wedding. In Cana of Galilee and his mother spoke to him and he said to his mother, My hour has not yet come. You'll see that word, my hour, echoed, I think it's seven times in John's Gospel. There it is. They sought to arrest him in chapter 7, verse 30. They sought to arrest him. No one laid hands on him because his hour had not yet come. Chapter 8, verse 20, teaching in the temple no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. There's it also in the end of Luke. This is your hour, as he spoke to the high priests. And the power of darkness. He was sore troubled in anticipation of what was to come. He had indicated something of that earlier in John chapter 12. Father, save me from this hour. What shall I say? What attention. He who was God. Here he is as man. The man Christ Jesus. Two natures. This mystery is too much for us. What shall I say? I have a baptism to be baptized with. And I must do it. This friend is the Savior offered to us. Our Lord, our elder brother, our best friend. In deep, deep, ununderstandable, 
incomprehensible, emotional agony, anticipating what he knows is coming, anticipating the most dreadful, fearful ordeal. Is there any sorrow like my sorrow? His visage was more marred than that of any man. And if you and I are not trembling at what was confronting Jesus and what he was thinking about, you have no understanding of how significant and serious the wrath of God is. The story. Secondly, the agony. What was the ordeal? Why the fuss? What was the bitter cup? Was it the torture? Was it the crown of thorns and the lashes on the back? Was it the betrayal, the rejection, the mockery, the bitterness of the Jews, the hatred and scheming of Pilate? Was it the blasphemy spoken against him? Was it the accusations of demonic possession, that he was a wine-bibber, that he was a glutton, that his father was the devil. Was that what was in the cup? No. Not at all. Remember what Jesus had said in Matthew 5, 11. What? When men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Did Jesus, surely Jesus, would practice what he preached? Remember, the apostles in Acts chapter 5, after the abuse before the council, where we are told they were beaten and lashed, but rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for his sake. Their suffering was a privilege. Is Jesus less than his apostles? Far from it. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that this produces steadfastness. What was this cup about then? 
It's Richard Baxter who wrote the following, Oh, the joy that the martyrs of Christ have felt. Their souls rejoiced when their bodies were burning. Remember the 86-year-old Bishop of Smyrna, Polycarp. This is his words. O Father, I bless thee that thou hast counted me worthy to receive my portion amongst the martyrs. And was Jesus less than Polycarp? In the external calamity and circumstances and bitter hostility, there was no complaint. There must be something more. Jesus was suffering something much more. We've got a little insight into it from what we read about Abraham in Genesis 15, verse 12. And horror of great darkness fell upon him. We've had insights to it in both of the Psalms you sang them. Abraham and horror of great darkness fell upon him when God was making his covenant with Abraham. And here was the greater confirmation of the great covenant being secured by the Savior of the world for you in great darkness. There our Jesus was in a favored location with friends entering Jerusalem after enormous excitement and joy and Hosanna to the highest. In triumph he came into the city. And he was in the prime of life. He was not experiencing any remorse. His conscience was clear. He rejoiced to do his father's will. I always do th these things that please my Father. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. There was a joy set before him. He had great prospects. And he knew that these sufferings would end. He knew that this cup would come to an end. We have it there in Isaiah 50. I have set my face like a flint. I shall not be put to shame. I will be vindicated. He endured the cross. 
He despised the shame. He thought nothing of the shame or the cross. In comparison to the cup. That's the agony. The cup. Number three. Let us, with God's help, think about the cup. There is a little expression in Luke's account of Christ in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. And these words are, as it were, at the very end of that story. Satan left him until an opportune time. Till an opportune time. And I believe that this was it. He, the Lord Jesus, was about to be made sin. He was about to be made a curse. The cup was not the physical pain, nor the mental stress nor being despised and rejected by men and neglected by his friends. It was the spiritual agony of bearing the sin of the world, the divine judgment, the wrath of God which your sin and mine deserves. The cup is because he was being made sin. And he was being made a curse and hang on a tree. We get a little help on that from Old Testament scriptures. Here's three of them. Job 21 verse 20. Drink the wrath of Almighty God. Here's Ezekiel 23, 32. This cup was large and deep. It holds so much. It's a full cup. And desolate. Psalm 75, verse 8. For in the hand of God most high of red wine is a cup. And the end of that... Two verses says, speaks about the bitter dregs of it. And then there's one in Revelation 14. The wine of God's fury, the cup of his Wrath, the grapes of the wrath of God. 
And thinking of that this afternoon, I'm going to quote from the Battle Hymn of the Republic, which I didn't think I would be doing that ever in a church. It's become a military hymn for the American soldiers, and here it is. You might know it. It's a wonderful tune, but I'm not going to embarrass you by singing it. I'm going to read one verse. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. The wrath of God, the cup. Ah, with reverence, can you hear the mind of Jesus saying, I am become, I am to become so identified with sinners as to bear their judgment. My soul recoils from this contact with sin. Ah, he's saying, the horror of alienation from my father. Wonder of wonders, he said, to do thy will I take delight. He did not rebel. He surrendered. As he says in John chapter 12, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. If the thought of the cross and the desolation of the cross and the forsakenness of the Father was so terrible in prospect. What was the reality? We may not know. We cannot tell what pains he had to bear but we believe it was for us he hung and suffered there. Do you believe it? I'm 99.99% certain that if I asked you at the door on the way out, are you a sinner? You would say, oh yeah. My mother only knows the half of it. Yeah, I'm a sinner. But does the wrath of God ever cross your mind? 
appearing before the judgment seat of Christ. This is what appearing before the judgment seat was like for Jesus. Who was perfect. And who there was in our place condemned he stood. Bearing our sin in his own body on the tree. You have perhaps heard the story, but it's worth repeating, about Rabbi Duncan in Aberdeen before the assembled students, 200 or so of them who were training for the ministry, and he came into the pulpit this day or into the lectern, it was a lecture hall, with nothing but his handkerchief. And he came up to the podium and he said, Damnation. 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 And he took it willingly. And he started crying and walked off the pulpit. Not my will, but thine be done. There's a question asked in Moses' Psalm, Psalm 90. Who knows the power of thy wrath? Who knows it? A sinner in time, a sinner in grey fires. He doesn't, because you're still on mercy's ground. A sinner at the judgment seat without Christ, he doesn't. He doesn't know the power of the wrath of God. A a sinner banished into hell into lost eternity. He doesn't know it either. Because there, in that place, it is always the wrath which is to come. There's more. The cup. We thought about the story. We thought about the agony. We thought about the cup. Now the question. Have you seen the glory? Do you know him? Have you come to that place in your experience of Peter's experience In the book of Acts, after he preached on Jesus, what were they? The people were cut to their heart. They they were there. They didn't look outwardly any different, but they, they knew that that was true, that they were sinners. Stephen was even more direct 
You stiff-necked people. You killed him. You were the murderers of Jesus. Are you rejecting Jesus again today? If you go out of this building this evening without saying yes to Jesus, you are crazy. You are stiff-necked. Do you not see what he had to endure so that I, a fellow sinner, can plead with you in Christ's stead? Be ye reconciled to God. I am instructed. I am under charge from the Master to compel you to come in. See that ye refuse not him that speaks. It's Peter Green who said, Only the man who is prepared to own his share in the guilt of the cross may claim his share in the grace of it. Only the man or woman or boy or girl that admits his share of the guilt or in the guilt of the cross may claim his share of the grace of the cross. When I was at university in Glasgow, I went to um, Kames at Tynebruch uh, for a weekend with my older brother for a communion. And there was a minister there from Africa. His name was Petros Mzamo. He was from Zimbabwe. And he took a sermon on the Sunday morning of the communion and he made a great thing of this that God has two cups there's a cup of wrath the eternal wrath of God and there's a cup of blessing the eternal blessing of God God has two cups there he is with his son, the Lord Jesus. Which cup is he going to give to his son? And I was sitting there and said, well, that's obvious. He'll give his only begotten, his beloved son, the cup of blessing. But no, it was the cup of the wrath and curse of God. And he drank it. 
He didn't just put his mouth to it. He didn't just take a sip of it. He didn't just take a mouthful of it. He drank it to the bitter dregs. Psalm 75. The bitter dregs. He finished the cup. So that you, dear fellow sinner, can enjoy and are to enjoy the cup of blessing. Will you therefore enjoin the throng who say you are worthy because you were slain with your blood you purchased men for God. You drank the cup for me. You are worthy of all praise. Then the angels joined in, didn't they? Worthy is the Lamb to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And you come to echo and to be thankful for these three words from the morning praise that we started, Psalm 43. My chiefest joy, he is altogether lovely, all my salvation, all my desire. And then, in John's account, There's that voice from heaven. After the thought of desolation, Father, save me from this. Then he said, then Jesus said, Father, save me from this hour. And then the voice from heaven said, Have you got it? Do you remember what the voice from heaven said? When he had this despairing cry and experience, the voice from heaven said, I have glorified it. And I will. I'm not done yet. I will. Glorify it. I have glorified it, we might say, in your birth, in your miracles, in your life. But I will glorify it in your death and in your resurrection. When God said, Again, speaking with reverend, when God said, remove that stone, he's coming out of there. The angel said, he is not here, he is risen. I will glorify it in the resurrection. 
And today, this evening, he is seeing the travail of his soul. And Jesus is satisfied. As you there and I with you say, that's wonderful. That is amazing. He is seeing of the travail of a soul. And he is pleased. And you are worshipping. And you are fit for anything that this world or the future or darkness or hell or the devil can throw at you because you are kept because he loved you because he loves you still of those whom you have given me I have lost none and we can finish with the last verse we considered this morning and sang together the Lord shall keep thy soul he shall preserve thee from all ill henceforth thy going out and in God keep forever will enjoy your evening Enjoy a good night's rest. Enjoy God. Delight yourself in him. Let us pray. Lord, open our eyes to understand, to behold the glory, to see that he bore our sin on the tree and he took it willingly yes there was the cry of agony in the garden but there were the words rise let us go hence for this cause came I into the world for this hour that's what I'm here for in your love he came. And thank you for your visit here with us this evening. Give us a fresh excitement about the glory of the gospel. Bless our brothers and sisters and friends in this congregation. Give them fresh enthusiasm for your glory. Prepare us for your will. Pardon us for Jesus' sake. Amen. We'll now conclude by singing in Psalm 90 from the Scottish Psalter, verses 11 to 17, to God's praise. No, verse, verses 11 to 17. There's it. It's up on the screen. Yeah.
let us conclude with a short word of prayer. We have sung a request, abide on us. You are everywhere present. Forbid that any one of us would neglect to abide with you, to have our affection set on things above, to desire that the beauty of the Lord would be upon us, that we would plead with you, O oh, with thy tender mercies, Lord, as early satisfy. So we rejoice, shall all our days, and still be glad in thee. So we will rejoice in you this evening, and into the loneliness and challenges of our circumstance and the darkness and the night, that we would be of those who taste and see that God is good, very good, all the time. Pardon us for Jesus' sake. Amen.